the the thing about it is, I I think what differentiates me from these, you know, flow sports that put thousands and thousands of dollars into doing it is I have, for whatever reason, a relationship with the athletes where they know I'm not going to burn them. They know I'm not going to put them on blast. We have a rapport. We have a relationship. Um, they trust me. And I just, you know, I, I work with athletes who I think ha have a lot of promise, both on and off the bike. KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor. And on this episode, Brian Coe from Velloworthy. If you are a fan of the American gravel scene, and chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you are. And if you have been following Big races like Unbound, Mid-South, BWR, Sea Otter. Um, chances are that you've probably run across videos and coverage from Velloworthy. Uh, Brian has been covering the competitive, competitive side of gravel racing for the last few years now. And I think it's quickly become uh, one of the most well-known and trusted voices in this part of the sport. I think Brian has a unique and important uh, perspective on the sport, um, not coming from the athlete point of view or the big-time, big-named publications, which, uh, let's be honest, are, are ceasing to exist now, folding. Um, I think it's cool to see how a high school teacher um, can take a side passion and carve out a space and create some really cool content for people like you and me to follow gravel racing. I um, met Brian at Sea Otter, and uh, we hit it off instantly, and I thought he'd be a great episode for uh, Dirty Chain, and uh, certainly it was. I really enjoyed talking to him just about the ins and outs of the sport and um, kind of picking his brain a little bit and hearing some of the stories he had about being involved in this sport for a few years now. Um, and yeah, and I find his story to be pretty inspirational for myself being a podcaster. He started as a podcaster, and it's cool to see what he has built um, from there. If you haven't checked out his videos, check them out on Velloworthy. It's on YouTube. Um, they're all over the place. Incredible interviews with some of the biggest named athletes and amazing coverage of some of the biggest gravel races in the country. So let's get right to it. Brian Coe from Velloworthy. I, I notice you have a beverage. I have a beverage too. Can we talk about what you got there in your? Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, this glass is from BWR. That's I have I have a very similar glass from uh, I believe Utah. 
Okay. So yeah, they made these glasses. They partner with Lost Abbey. And the funny story behind this is this glass was given to me by Ian Lopez San Ramon, who's only 19. So he's not old enough to drink. I let him (laughs) stay at my house. And as a, as a house guest gift, he gave me this glass along with the beer that he got. It's in the fridge right now from BWR since he's a couple years away from drinking, which makes me feel super old. Uh, and I'm drinking a stone, uh, hazy double IPA stone is a local brewery to San Diego. But, uh, the, Funny story behind that is my neighbor down the street works for Stone, so he always comes over uh, and brings a case of something special. Mm. And uh, yeah, I have a, I have a, I don't want to say unlimited supply, but I haven't paid for beer in probably a couple of years, so that feels pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that seems like a, a pretty good deal. And for you, not, I'm I'm guessing that you're not familiar with. Uh, the Dirty Chain podcast vibe, but already you have like, you fit right in. With, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Especially... I didn't know whether to wear my suit and tie or. Well, <laughs> I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to have a beer. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a beer too. So that's, that's kind of where we, where we sit, but uh, uh, fantastic. Um, I, uh, so you had mentioned, and I don't know if we're going to, get this part but like a little earlier about editing um and sea otter we met at sea otter which was fantastic but you said you have a ton of footage um yeah i, I mean was, go, go for it yeah it's always it's always better to shoot more than less and have to deal with carving carving something away rather than wishing you had it so um as well as like the race itself i've got a ton of behind the scenes Luckily, at the house I was staying at, we, you know, hosted the Legion cycling team, which they may go gravel. That's the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. You, you heard it here first on the podcast. They may send a squad. They already have one rider, Lance Hayden, who is their one gravel guy, but they may send a squad to gravel gnats um, and just treat it like a road race and just string it out. Who knows? God. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, let's let's like go on that string really quickly. But because uh, I know that they brought in Robin Carpenter, which um, he did. Yes. he did Unbound a couple years ago, and he was riding for Rally or Human Powered Health, and he I think he he got sixth or something. He um, did. He was he was, was missed. He missed out of that lead group. Mm-hmm. And he uh, fun fact about Robin at that race he had just himself and his mechanic. And in the second pit, the mechanic, I believe, dropped the bike, banging the the brake levers inward and only caught, not allowing him to use his, I think it was his front derailleur. And uh, he just put the hammer down. Like he can, I mean, he's raced in Europe, he can motor. So he was in that chase group mm-hmm. um, and was unable to catch Ian's group. Uh, but it was his first gravel race. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he's just so strong. And that year it was so hot too. People were just dumping gobs mm-hmm. of water all over their heads. I was, and, I was actually uh, able to interview him right after that. Cause, um, I thought that was, it's, it was interesting. There are like former pros that are doing gravel. And then he was like the first of the current pro doing gravel and I thought that was really interesting and a little bummer I mean I so now he's he's riding for Legion 
I heard that he might be doing more gravel, and then he crashed like a couple days ago. And yeah, broke, big broke one. His collarbone and uh, ribs and wrists. Like, oh man, I, I, I'm scared of crits. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe how fast they they ride those things. But that's what a what a bummer. Um, hopefully that it doesn't like ruin his entire season. But I I actually did the same thing. I didn't break my wrist, but I did collarbone mini ribs mm-hmm. last year and uh it sucks it ribs suck that's the worst thing ever <laughs> i know they're they're such an inconvenience <laughs> yeah. well i mean apparently you you know they're, they're right there when you breathe when you laugh when you sneeze i mean <laughs> it's yeah uh, i know a world tour rider that got two of his ribs removed so he could be more like better positioned on the bike what um yeah what? no george, george bennett on lotto uh, uh oh my God. guy he he got two of his ribs removed uh so he could like i get either he had like extra ribs or his ribs he's so skinny that his ribs were like would like protrude out of his body Ugh. uh and he's like a you know a pure climber and uh i remember i was in girona with him and he was talking about it like oh what if i got my ribs removed kind of random but uh I, I think he did the surgery and now he's like He's more arrow. <laughs> we may need to fact check that, uh, Brian. But uh, <laughs> yes, always fact check. Yeah. So okay. So uh, you 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 were at Sea Otter. You're staying in the house with uh, the Legion guys. Is that no? So oh okay. It's it's the the house is actually the kind of known as the scratch house. Mm-hmm. All the scratch employees stay there. They brought like eight people in. Uh, Alan Lim kind of brought everyone together. Um, the Legion guys were invited, I believe. I don't know if I can say this, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, <laughs> Scratch may be a new hydration sponsor for Legion. Got it. So Justin came in, the squad came in, they're, they're fresh off of Redlands, and they had training camp in like Calabasas. So they drove straight up to the house, had dinner, and that was like the first night. And then the second night, it's just all these random industry people and writers and and things like that. And I later found out like, it's all organic. Nobody's invited. Like people just show up to the house. It's kind of this known thing. And luckily there's enough people. We didn't run out of food because Alan's job is like, he's cooking everything. (laughs) And they plan this menu like a month out. And Alan's like, I personally don't invite a single person ever. It's always people that just show up to the house. They all happen to be, you know, somebody within the sport somehow. Um, like the other night or the last night, like Lachlan and his wife came over and the, and the new girl, um, Isabella, she's in, she's, uh, from Australia, new to the lifetime series. She came over and we we're just hanging out. And it's just weird to me because if I were to throw a dinner party, I'd want to know who's coming, how many people, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. This just, it's like super organic. Aren't they, I mean, don't they refer to that as like the family dinners? Or yeah, is that, family yeah, dinner. Yeah, family dinner. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is too, there's other like videographers there too. It's not just me, but like Avery, who's Alexi Vermeulen's like, like right hand man. Sure. Like, like the I two mean, of us were like filming all night. Well, funny. yeah. And, the, and, you know, Avery now is, uh, he works for Scratch, right? Yeah. So he got hired on to do their, um, 
photo video stuff. Uh, and you know, he's been with Alexi forever, mm -hmm. both Michigan people, as you probably already know, by the absolutely. way, absolutely. Yep. Go, go Michigan. Am I doing, I don't know if I'm doing the right. You're, my, you, my wife's from Michigan. So that's what, yeah, Michigan I remember you saying name. that. Yeah. It's a, uh, you, and for, um, for those listening, he was trying to, he's making the mitten with his hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's good. That looks that's yeah. right from my perspective. Where's she? What part of Michigan is she from? Uh, it's called Oxford. Okay. Tiny, <laughs> tiny little little town. She did go to Michigan State though in East Lansing. Right, that's where I am right now. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, where, that's where I live. Yeah, we went to a wedding there, uh, and this and the couple that got married. They're so into Michigan State that they got married at the football stadium which blew my mind. They like close the stadium. They have this like VIP, like upper box area and the entire wedding and the reception was at the Michigan state stadium. Blew that's, my mind. Um, yeah, that's go green, go white. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little aside, but uh, speaking of family, my brother is moving to San Diego oh. in the summer. So I think he bought a house. I don't know where. Um, okay. he's, uh, that's yeah. Great story, Trevor, but <laughs> he, uh, uh, he's retiring from the military and got a job in San Diego. So he's heading that. So he's heading your direction. Okay. Um, and I was thinking about that when you had the BWR glass, because I've done Utah, um, and Asheville or North Carolina, mm -hmm. but I think, if you're gonna do a BWR, you got to do the OG in uh, San Diego. So I'm hoping that in the future I'll be out that direction to do BWR in the future. Yeah, you got to come. It is, it's the signature event because that's where it started, mm -hmm. um, and it's the biggest turnout. And I'm biased, but I think the course is pretty good. I mean, it's still not technically gravel, and it and it's it started out as a road race with dirt. Guys are riding 23 mil tires with rim brakes on their road bikes and not th and before tubeless with tubes in it and everything. And uh, now it's definitely, uh, this is the first year, by the way, somebody won BWR on a non-road bike. So Russell Finsterwald did it on his uh, Crux, his cyclocross slash gravel slash everything bike. Um, on a one by and one and won the event for the first time. What uh, what do you know? You probably do because you were there and all that. But uh, what kind of tires was he riding? What uh, uh he was? Myth? I believe he was running thirty two Pathfinders. Thirty twos. Yeah, Holy you boy. don't want to go above a thirty two because there's still a hundred miles of pavement, mm -hmm. and so the business end is full on racing. Um, and so if everyone's running skinnier tires in the top 10, they're all kind of equal footing on the, on the dirt and the dirt's not super technical either. There are some sandy sections and, and the weather kind of wrecked some parts to it. But, uh, every rider that I was working with in, on the pro end, 32 up to 30, I think 35s was the widest. So um, I will say though, 2022, Alexi rode his NV. What, what uh, it's melee. Not that, melee, and he 
he shoved forties into that bike. Yeah, and he, he, I mean, and yeah. he destroyed, and he destroyed. <laughs> yeah, that was that was another that was a good one too. That was a great <laughs> great event. And at the time, we didn't know what the melee was. It didn't have a name. It was unbranded. I mean, right. we knew Ex- it was Envy. Yeah, uh, I remember Sea Otter two, or not last, not this year, but but the year before, and he was kind of hinting like. It's like, I'm riding this new bike and uh, there's all this media around and they're not even asking about it. It was unbranded. It didn't have anything. And people weren't, he, no one was at really asking about what that bike was. And then now, I, mean, I, I think people weren't thinking of Envy as a bike brand. They're thinking, Envy, well, a frame brand. They're thinking Envy as a, right. a wheels and a carbon components. But, um, but yeah, now all of a sudden they're huge in the, in the bike market. Um, and I, so I did, I did talk with Michael Marks about that a little bit and he's like, yeah, uh, usually I would think that the course that I made for BWR San Diego is, you know, you don't need nothing more than 35, but then Alexi comes by and like just destroys it on forties. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I wonder if envy, really loved that he rode 40s in that it's probably not like made for that kind of clearance <laughs> yeah i mean it was dry that year and hot so yeah no no yeah you're not gonna dirt right exactly um which it was hot and dry at sea otter this year but there were mud pits like there were these mud pits that uh okay let's let's push pause for a second or sure um we're, we're, we're just, we're kind of getting into all of these different, uh, conversations, but it's pretty obvious as we're talking that, uh, you connections are not what I'm talking about, but like, you've been a part of things for a couple of years. You've, you've, uh, I mean, you're at the family dinners at, for scratch. You're, you're talking about being in Girona and meeting, uh, What's his name? Uh, George Bennett. George Bennett. Um, yeah. You're talking about, you know, these different races over the, like, what, let's, can you give me an intro, give give my listeners an intro about, like, you know, Velloworthy, how did you get from, from whatever to now, you're at Sea Otter, you're at these dinners, you're talking to these athletes, you're, you're like in the mix, um, give us a little bit of a, of an intro of a little origin story of, of Brian and, and Velloworthy. Sure. Well, you know, I grew up in a cycling family. So when I was a kid, I didn't play, you know, football or baseball or anything. It was just cycling. My, my first bike race, I was eight years old and, uh, it was a BMX race. And, um, you know, when I was in middle school, I was already shaving my legs. Cause I was racing on the road and I have my older brother, my cousins, you know, we were all racing. And in those days, like too, like as racing juniors, when you got dropped, they didn't wait for you. It's like, okay, see you at home. And so cycling's just always been something that um, I've stayed with, you know, when I went to college and I raced collegiate, never made it to the pros. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I'm I'm just a shade younger than the Lance Armstrong group of people, and uh, we all know how that turned out. So, I I took I moved to San Diego in 2001 
from Northern California because the weather's so good, you can train year round. So I got a job at a bike shop, you know, just working there and, and riding bikes. And then I realized like San Diego is so good for cycling, but it's actually even better uh, in the sport of surfing. So I took like a decade off and just surfed my brains out. <laughs> I traveled, you know, to Indonesia and Nicaragua and Costa Rica and Hawaii and, and just traveled and kind of took a break from the sport. Like first time in my life, I was in my 20s. And um, I mean, I still followed the Tour de France and things like that. And then, um, you know, I, I just got I decided one day I'm just going to get back into it. So I had a beach cruiser, an Electra beach cruiser with three yeah. gears on it. <laughs> and I decided to just ride up and down the coast. It's super popular in San Diego, you know, beautiful views. And then I don't know, something clicked where I just wanted to ride a lot. So I was doing 10 miles a day and 15 miles a day up to 30 in board shorts and a t-shirt on your beach like cruiser? My, on my beach cruiser <laughs> and my old like helmet. This is a, you know, beach cruiser with a kickstand and a bike lock on it. Oh yeah. yeah. Big wide handlebars. And there's this climb in San Diego called Torrey Pines. Um, speaking of Robin, he has the KOM from it. He stole it from Phil Guyman. Uh, <laughs> and it's a it's a good 10-minute climb if you're okay. And they're doing it in like five minutes. Oh, and I remember one day I was like, okay, I'm going to take my beach cruiser on this climb. But I'm going to really push it hard. You know, my tennis shoes. If I can pass like a true roadie in full kit and like a nice bike, if I can pass someone on my beach cruiser, I'm going to go out and buy a bike, like a proper road bike. <laughs> and so I, one day, like I was like a Saturday because there's tons of people that do this climb. It's just a straight up and turn around and descend back down. And uh, I did it. I passed like three guys. They were all looking at me like I was nuts, I'm sure, because I'm out of the saddle. The thing is, this beach cruiser, the saddle's so low, like you, you can't generate any real power. So I'm standing up and I'm rocking the bike back and forth, these big, fat, bald beach cruiser tires. And I pass them. <laughs> I'm feeling good. You know, I don't even have a computer or Strava or anything. And so I go out and I buy a used like BMC team machine. And then that becomes my bike for the next few years. And then I start kidding up and I, oh, none of yeah. my clothes fit. And I'm like, damn it. I weigh myself and I'm like 20 pounds over. And so I'm like, okay, I got to start dialing and all this and that. And then like three months later, I signed up for my first crit, uh, the CBRs, which are basically a parking lot crit, but I mean, it formed you know, the Williams brothers and Bahati and Sharon Smith and all those guys. So I'm in there doing it and it's aggressive. And, you know, I've, I've raced Chris before, but not in over a decade. And um, I end up getting like 13th place out of, you know, maybe a hundred guys. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting the bug now. So then I really dial it in. Uh, the, the, the age category I'm racing is 35 plus, which it's probably the most competitive age group, not counting the pro one twos. Yeah. And a lot of those guys race pro one two anyway. And so I'm in it. I start a, a, a blog at the time. This is back in 2012 when blogging was a thing. And then that kind of, I got lazy on the writing, so that didn't go well. So then in 2016, <laughs> I start the SoCal cyclist podcast. Uh, and in it, I start interviewing my friends and then it turns to, 
I had this goal of interviewing one person every single week for 52 weeks. So it's 52 guests in person. And this is before Zoom. Well, maybe not before Zoom, but nobody was using Zoom. Sure. And so people would be literally like coming over to my house. And I happened to live in Carlsbad at the time, which is kind of a hot spot for cycling. So people would just come over to the house. I had like Amber Nevin, like the national time trial champ. She like drove over uh, this, this, uh, you know, elite triathlete, Taylor Spivey. She lived across the street. So she just walked over to the house and um, I recorded them all. I did my 52 at the start of the, my first year, it was just, you know, my cat three and two friends. And by the end, it was like Phil Guyman and Jeremy Powers and, and that crew. So it kind of wow. had this weird arc. And I did that for three years. And then my last episode that never aired was the Butcher Box cycling team. And a week later, the pandemic hit. So this oh, is wow. February 2020. And then I'm like, uh-oh, all the races are canceled. I don't know what to do. I paused the podcast. My my last podcast episode that aired was like Amity from like right after she won Unbound or Dirty Kanza at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then during the pandemic, like it was the worst time because I sold my house two weeks before the pandemic. We stayed in an Airbnb for three months. Nobody was wanting to sell because we were like, oh, you know, we could we could buy San Diego markets a pain. And then I was like, well, what if I just start making videos on YouTube? And I did. I made my first video, you know, and at the time I had like 12 subscribers. <laughs> and then it just slowly started happening. Like I got a call to to go um, to this race, Rock Cobbler. Mm -hmm. And um, it was this weird, like somebody knew me that knew someone. And they're like, oh, the, the race announcer can't can't go. Can you sub in? I'm like, I've never announced a race. What am I going to do? Cause they know me from the podcast. So I show up, I have my GoPro in one hand and the mic in the other. I'm filming myself announcing the rock cobbler. <laughs> oh my God. And then, and then I put that on YouTube. And from then I was like, well, what if I just started doing races? And then I did dirty Kanza and uh, I just brought my little $500 camera and filmed it. I put it you know edited it on iMovie and it got like 60,000 views oh, and um I think too because like I knew a lot of the riders like at the time like gravel was even smaller mm -hmm. and I was just talking to them and recording and just holding my camera up in their face and uh it just turned into this thing and then I started going to more races and more races to the point now where um I got invited to speaking of Girona, Velo News asked me to go to Girona and I, I did some work for them doing uh, a podcast interviewing the EF athletes for their Tour de France prep. So I got to stay there and, and hang Holy. with those guys. It was Holy. a lot of fun. But this this season? Uh this is twenty nineteen. This is twenty nineteen. So, okay. Yeah. So I, I went with me, talk about a crew. Me, Alan Lim, Ben Delaney. And Greg Irwin, who, if you don't know, he's the drummer for Saint Motel, oh this gosh. awesome band. Uh, and uh, he was just the photographer and he does it for fun. And he's best friends with Taylor Finney. So Taylor asked him to come and shoot for fun. And when he's at work, he's like touring the country with his band. So I was like, 
I felt like I was like a literal rock star with this crew. And we were in Dora in the Pyrenees and then Girona. And everywhere we went, we were just hanging with all the pros, kind of embedded. Uh, so you learn to kind of not fanboy too much, even though in my mind, I was like fanboying among like <laughs> Simon Clark. And, and you, we were covering the, the North Americans. So it was Lawson, Craddock, and TJ sure. Van Garderen. Um, those guys, and we were there for their team time trial practice, which, man, if you want to geek out on bikes, it had all the TT bikes ready to go. And, uh, that I, I was, I was fanboying, but then I'm like, okay, I, I felt imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. but I'm like, I belong here too. Like I totally sure. belong here. I'm actually getting paid money. And, um, you know, it was a workcation because, you know, I still work full time. So <laughs> it's still yeah. a lot of fun. Holy moly. Um, a lot of things there. Uh, did, did you have any, like, you kind of just said, I was into cycling and then I started a podcast. Was there any, um, do you have anything before, like, do you have, like, with podcasts or um, have you ever done that before? Did you, you were just like, I think I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to jump in. And same with video. Like, was yeah. it a learn as you go along kind of situation I, it still is it never it ends. still is <laughs> i mean i'll probably finish this podcast and go oh i should have said this or that and i've done so many podcasts it's kind of cool being on the other side mm -hmm. of the mic but uh for the podcast all i did and this is 2016 i just looked up on apple podcast cycling podcast and there was like five yeah you know, there were Phil, Phil Guyman had his, there was this one from like this trio of guys. Um, and I'm like, well, what if I just start my own? And that, that week, my wife had left to New York for a week. I was like by myself. And I'm like, what if I just became, so I made a podcast, <laughs> a website and just did it. Like I get this weird OCD about things sometimes. And I just totally focus on it. And I said, okay, I want to make the podcast that I think people want to listen to and not just be a um, reporter kind of thing. So um, I just started making them like these one-on-one -on -one podcasts with people. And I think that's kind of the trend now with podcasts. I know like Payson's super successful with his and he pretty much just does the same thing most do, but he has a huge following. Yeah. Um, and so I just learned it. And then with video, like I still, like today I'm editing and I'm like YouTubing, oh, how to, how to make this transition. So, <laughs> you know, like this, this is the first year I bought a new camera. I had that $500 camera for three and a half years. And I'm standing next to, you know, the thing is that these big, big gravel events like Unbound, you're standing next to people with, $10,000, $20,000 rigs. And yeah. I'm with this $500 camera holding it elbow to elbow. And my goal is, look, I want to run lean. I don't want to hire people. Any money I make, it's from YouTube, YouTube ads. And then I also partnered with a few brands to help fund me to go um, and travel. And I told myself, like, once I make enough money, I'll actually buy a decent camera. So I bought one about four weeks ago and so the bwr video i did that's with the new camera <laughs> i mean so that that's crazy too because so i think how i 
I don't know you from the podcast. I know you specifically from YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, and probably one year at unbound is when I like saw that you, you had a ton of footage, either unbound or mid South, or I'm not sure which one was the first time I, I, I saw some of your stuff and, and then it's like, holy cow, like this dude is everywhere. I mean, you're, you're interviewing athletes, you're at these dinners, uh, you got the, you got the little mic out, right? Is that your, I'm kind of disappointed that you don't have a little mic. mic. Yeah. You don't have the little mic for this, for this interview. (laughs) (laughs) Actually a decent mic. It's like seven bucks on Amazon, but, uh, the the thing about it is I, I think what differentiates me from these, you know, flow sports that put thousands and thousands of dollars into doing it is I have, for whatever reason, a relationship with the athletes where they know I'm not going to burn them. They know I'm not going to put them on blast unless, you know, I had this talk with Ben, Ben Delaney in Girona mm-hmm. about when he was, you know, reporting during the Lance years. And I'm like, so when do you know when to when to burn someone? He's like, you have to burn someone if it's for the greater good. If it's not for the greater good, don't put them on blast. And just don't say anything. Because there are people in the gravel peloton today that I will never interview because they are such a-holes. Um, and they have this reputation in the pack when the camera's on, they're one person. And when the camera's off, they're a completely different person. And so... With the athletes that I do talk to, we have a rapport, we have a relationship, um, they trust me. Like I was talking, I was interviewing Sophia who won Sea Otter just, was it last week, a week yeah. ago? Yeah. And I always say at the start, before I start rolling, hey, I'm Brian with Veloworthy. Just sure. because I do that out of, out of a lesson I learned at Tour of California because I was interviewing a rider on like, Astana or some some fancy world tour team. And he grabbed my credential and he looks at it and goes, Who am I talking to? And then he he kind of threw it back, you know, toward my <laughs> chest. Cause I didn't introduce myself. So since then I've been doing it over and over and over. So I'm I'm with Sophia. She had just won the the Fuego. And I'm like, hey, I'm Brian with Velvet. She's like, I know who you are. I watch all your videos. And to me, that's such a huge compliment. Um, and I guess some writers have told me like they go on the trainer and then like watch the videos while they oh, <laughs> like nice. sit on the trainer and do it. So I think it's the relationships to answer your question with, you know, with the athletes, they know I'm not going to burn them. I, I do document, you know, if there's nine cameras around and they're filming, I take a step back to get the tone of what, what that atmosphere is like. Um, and I just, you know, I, I work with, athletes who I think have a lot of promise both on and off the bike. You know, last year I worked with Brennan uh, Wirtz, who Mm -hmm. I think is going to have a great year this year. He's on a new team. Um, And he's just a really good person. Like he's a really nice guy. He's on the lifetime series this year. I don't think he, he wasn't last year, right? No, he wasn't. He he's on it this year. He was on the Pinarello Scuderia team and, uh, you know, I, I was following him around for the year, and he's just a super interesting guy. Six five, he stands out in a crowd. Former champion rower. Rower, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a big dude too. Six five. Holy yeah, God. we went out to dinner, and he did a five hour ride. Then he ordered a large pizza, 
And I was like, oh, okay, this is for us. He's like, no, 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 I'll give you a slice. And he ate the whole thing. Then the server's like, oh, can I, can I get you guys anything else before I drop off the check? He's like, yeah, can I get a cheeseburger and fries and, a, and another beer? And he downs that. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy just, he can, he's a, he's a machine. Uh, I, I will say I, I might be able to go head to head with Brennan Wirtz, um, in a food eating contest, maybe beer drinking too, but probably yes. not cycling and I'm much <laughs> shorter than him too. So I probably, yeah. uh, uh, kilograms might be the same. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, so yeah, last year, um, it was my first year of like the channel being funded. It was a first, I mean, I'm not even at 10,000 subscribers yet. Uh, so, but the amount of views on the videos are growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, like last year's unbounds almost at a quarter million. And, um, Whoa. it's just, you know, last year, last year was tough. You know, I, I was with Mo Wilson, um, for the first half of the season, she stayed at my house for BWR. Um, I, you know, I'm still like struggling with that. Like she, uh, was such a good cyclist, but she, I, I mean, nobody knew who she was at the, mm -hmm. at the start of the year and, you know, her trajectory was, was so high. And, you know, I got to, you know, I was, I was talking with someone and they're like, you know, you probably have the most footage of Mo anywhere. Um, you know, and then when that happened, it kind of hit the press and then I got hit up with all these requests for, for, to talk about it. I denied every single one because I wasn't in the right headspace, but you know, people stole my footage. NBC stole my footage and used it for their Dateline show without, permission um it just it kind of messed me up so i, I yeah. took a little bit of a break at the end of the year because i was pretty burnt i mean you know what you don't see is all the travel and the delays and the airports and your camera equipment gone missing um and your batteries running low and and all that so um and i think i got so much support from other cyclists because they knew i was with her and brennan for the year that um you know, they were just really supportive of me, which is rare. You don't see that from the athlete to media side. Sure. Um, and I think the thing is they don't see me as like a journalist and I don't claim to be a journalist, mm -hmm. but they see me as, as kind of one of them. Um, even though I'm not a pro, they see me at this, the events and it's the same people I talk to. I mean, I do get a lot of shit for not talking to the last place person or the mid pack person. Um, but I do fo focus on kind of the business end of, of the riders. And so, uh, they trust me and I trust them and, um, we have kind of an understanding and, um, you know, I, I just think that with, with the videos and the media side, you have to earn that because if you're just some guy with a camera, like if you hire like a wedding photographer to, to go to an event. They don't know who to shoot. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know what questions to ask. They don't know how to joke around with a certain cyclist. You don't know which cyclist. Like I've seen cyclists cross the line and just on their facial expressions alone, you can tell they don't want to talk to anybody. You're like, I'm not touching him right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember last year, Sea Otter Pete broke his wrist oh, yeah. and I knew like, he was holding it like up to it, like up. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to bother him. Um, whereas I, I've seen other journalists like stick a mic in someone's face and they've gently batted it away. So I just kind of take like a three Mississippi assess, be like, okay, who's, who's up for it? Who's not? And I have to do that really quickly. 
And then when I'm done, I just ask them a quick, like, okay, are we good? And then a lot of times they'll say yes. So that's kind of, that's my secret formula. (laughs) I I think that's, it's pretty awesome though, because we are now at a point uh, where, uh, you know, you you use the word journalist and then say you don't, you don't see yourself as a journalist. Um, I think you know, we're at a point where we can actually, you and I, or anyone, anyone actually, any, anyone right now can, can be doing a podcast or can be doing a YouTube channel, but it is a more so about the relationships you build with people. And I think that's what I see, um, with you more so than, than anything else is like this, the relationship with different riders or groups of people or community, the community itself. It's like, you need to you need to create those relationships be trusted i mean that's a huge huge thing and then um people feel like athletes riders feel like it's okay when you put a small little microphone in front of their face or a camera in front of their face and you say buddy how was how was that you know or holy cow that was a hard hard race how do you feel now um and it's that trust that you can't anyone can can do a podcast anyone can do a youtube channel not everyone can gain that trust from from athletes and i that's something that in the last few years i feel like you have kind of carved out for yourself which is pretty impressive thanks i i uh you have to remember too unless you're the winner you're not having a good day at work if everybody wants to win so if you're second place through whatever and you didn't win and you're that pissed or bummed or you're <laughs> angry about the feed zone and who didn't wait up and who did wait up at the feed zone, that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other thing because I'm one of the few people there I can actually see it go down. Right. Um, you, you you know you you're kind of getting people to talk about a bad day at work <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when all they want to do is just change or get a beer or put their feet up. I mean yeah, I've walked up to athletes with my camera with an extra beer going here. I brought you something and then they drink it and then we're talking. Right. So, um, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not impartial. I'm biased. I like, I like certain people. Um, certain people like me, I, there are brands I love to work with. There's brands that see me as competition and don't want, I mean, I've heard brands like through people say, Oh, Velworthy wasn't here. You know, they, they see it as a threat, which I take as a compliment, but, <laughs> I'm at the point like for BWR, I hosted, you know, Flavia and Paige who got second and third who like stayed at my house. Like you wouldn't see that in other sports, sure, like, yeah. football players saying it, you know, a reporter's house, but you know, we stayed with them with the understanding like, Hey, I'm going to take care of you, but I'm also going to have a camera mm-hmm. running. Um, so again, it's that trust. And, and also with the sport of gravel, like, you can kind of, if anybody wants to do it badly enough, they can do it. Nothing's stopping them. You just have to know the right way to do it. And gravel is not being monopolized by these big, big channels anymore. I mean, Lifetime is huge in terms of its sponsorship, but they are not the only media. When when I was at Unbound, there's like, I, I think they were saying over a hundred journalists. And a lot of them are from different brands. Some are from, you know, different like cycling tips and things like that. And you just have to know like, okay, what is my value I bring? And my goal is the same at every race to be the most watched event on the internet. 
So if I can if I can say that with confidence, like, hey, I'm the most watched Unbound video on the internet, then they should not say, okay, you can't come. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> wow. I, that's a, I think that's a crazy uh, impressive goal to have for sure. Um, it's, you know, I, I, I look at things like, um, like gravel for instance, and then also like podcasting, YouTubing, it's like, it, it's kind of like the wild, it, it was, I guess, kind of like a wild west of sorts where it was easy to get into, um, it's, you know, anyone can line up at unbound well no kind of i mean if you get into the into the race get in the lottery most, most yeah most everyone can get into a gravel race most anyone can start a podcast but then now it's it's kind of become something else but it is a little bit of a luck situation where you got into podcasting at a time where it started to get huge and then also now you're getting into this gravel scene thing where it's it's also becoming huge. So it's like you kind of hit these things at the right time and the right, you were in the right time, in the right place. And, and now it's like you had a media platform and now you are and you already were there with, uh, uh, with cycling. You knew, you knew what you were talking about and then you were there ready to talk more about gravel and you're just right place, right time. Um, I see that over and over again with, with things. And I think that you're a great example of that as well. Um, it's interesting. I kind of, I did want to talk to you because I think a, you have an interesting perspective of the, how gravel is, is progressing. Um, and your perspective is kind of like, kind of like my perspective. It's not a journalistic perspective it's not a race director perspective and it's not an athlete perspective it's something else and you're seeing it in a different way um and i i did want to ask you about what like so lifetime seemed like a success last year uh going it's seems like it's going to be a success this year there's different races uh, you know lifetime doesn't incorporate the entire spectrum of gravel um thank goodness but uh i don't i don't know like i i'm kind of interested in your perspective you've already kind of touched on it a little bit but i am interested in your perspective about what like it's it's i love to see it booming and then at some times i'm like is it too like let's pump the brakes a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little conflicted myself. I love to, I mean, I race the Fuego XL. That's not gravel. It's mountain bike, but like it's, it was like, Oh, I love to be here with all these pros. Um, uh, sea otter's amazing. But then, you know, but then other times I'm like, would I rather be doing a local race or I don't know. So I, I'm kind of interested in your perspective on this a little bit. Yeah, well, gravel's cool. And whether that's brands making it cool, the certain type of rider personalities making it cool, uh, the coverage that's making it cool, whether it's me or a million other different people, uh, you know, I, people, I, I've seen people race in, in jorts and I've seen people race in skin suits. Right. Uh, so it's a, it's a wide range. And I've always equated gravel to like the UFC 
where not in the not in a fight <laughs> sense, but but in, in mixed martial arts, you have your specialists, your boxers, your jujitsu people, your your Muay Thai people, and in gravel, it's like you have your mountain bikers, your your roadies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your Heather Jackson's a triathlete. So you have people from other cycling backgrounds that are coming to this arena where it's kind of a, you know, every year unbound is it's anybody's game. Who knows? Nobody knew who Ivar Slick was nope. uh, prior to unbound. <laughs> I saw him. I'm like, oh, that's another Euro here. You know, no people knew who Ian Boswell was. And so that's what makes it exciting. And I think, you know, with, the fact that you're riding on mixed surfaces away from cars, away from certain danger, there's the adventure aspect, um, and there's an event every weekend now. And it's also, you know, are you going to do a parking lot crit and then get in your car and drive home for two hours? Or are you going to do a gravel race and have a beer and party and listen to live music Yeah, and uh, hang out with your buddies and because you're all kind of in it together? I think that's the appeal. The The racing side is capturing that plus making it super competitive and sponsors love it athletes love it you know i mean pre-lifetime if it wasn't lifetime it would be something else at this point so um well i mean you already see i mean bwr is doing a similar thing with um all the different races they have um right uh but yeah i i think you're totally right if it wasn't lifetime someone else would would come in and do a similar a similar thing yeah right and and i just think that i mean it could be a fad who knows but i mean i was riding on dirt on my road bike long before a gravel race just because it was fun so you know i don't think it's going away anytime soon uh i think it's kind of here to stay and you know you look at you look at a race like unbound it sells out and it's a lottery system. You can go day of of a road race and just sign up because, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. there's just not enough demand. I mean, there yeah. is in some parts of the country, yeah. but other parts, like, okay, the field's like 12 people. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's – and you would know because you go to these events, but it's not necessarily always about the race. It's about the experience around the race or it's the race and the experience. Like right. Mid-South, I mean, it's – it's a it's an experience right like you go there to experience bobby and that vibe and stillwater and you know it's 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 not necessarily only about the race the race is a component of it but a not not the only component of it right you're you're absolutely right i think Deep down, as evolved as human beings are, we're still searching for community. We're still searching for our tribe. We're still searching for a sense of belonging. And the bike race is just a metaphor for this need to be part of a community. And the gravel community, I I think, is way more inclusive than other disciplines. I mean, I've been to bike events where they have, you know, a non-binary category on the podium, which you would never see it at other races um, or, a, you know, a races where they just want to bring in as many people as possible. One race, you know, has like complimentary daycare for kids. Like you just don't see that. So mm-hmm. I think it's a sense of community. I think people want to belong before and after. They want to suffer together. You know, if you look at marathons, 
yeah, there's 20 people that can win Boston, but most people there aren't like paying attention to that. They're going for their own personal best or just to finish. So I think gravel's diverse enough to have the people that are the completers that want to do it. You know, they work a regular job and build their whole year around an event like Unbound. And then you have the pros that it's just one one race in the calendar of many. Uh, but in the end, everybody wants to belong. Yeah, and I totally agree. Um, I hope and I think when if you start seeing some races not focusing on those things or like rather focusing on the pointy end of the spear instead of other or the rest of the event that makes the event happen or is the best part of the event um that's where i get a little concerned so if there is a a lifetime um event where the only thing coming out of it is who won who lost you know that's where i i just hope that that's not the only thing that's not what we're going to like we're i i hope that gravel cycling or this type of of american cycling isn't just going to become another okay who's the pro who who won who lost let's move on to the next one because i think it has like you said it has so much more to offer than just that and as like people need to report on something so i'm sure that that maybe that's all we we're seeing but um yeah that that's that's just like a, a little concern of mine that it's with a popular with with increasing popularity and then also a prize purse, then <laughs> this is what we're going to be seeing. <laughs> and anytime you throw money at it, it's going to get competitive. And, yeah. and that's why yeah. races like, you know, BWR get criticized by the non-competitor. I mean, if you're in that top 20, you have a support car, you have motorcycle escorts where you can grab a bottle, you have a lead car, you have a media car. Um, covering that. But if you're outside of that, if you get a flat, you're on your own. If you need a mm -hmm. bottle, you're on your own. Yeah, you know, there's, I got criticized in some of the comments of like, why is there a, why is there a vehicle with bikes on the top treating it like it's a road race? So, um, and the, it, it is only for the top 12 or 10 or however many got whittled down to. If I was competing, you know, and this is one of the things I saw at the end, like the winners of BWR, they're doing, the 130 miles and the wafer people, which do the 70, they're actually coming in around the same time. Sure. I kind of felt bad because the winners are like, everyone's focused on them. And then someone crossed the line and they're gassed out and they're just like, <laughs> okay, move, move to the side. We got the pros here. I'm like, well, they just, they rode a hard race too. Well, you know, they shouldn't be pushed, pushed to the side. That's so funny. Cause I mean, I maybe it was last year unbound or, but it's the same thing with Unbound, right? Like they're coming in at the same time as people doing the 100 mile, which is still 100 miles. Come it's on. Hard. Like I can't believe that that is considered one of the the, the lower race, not lower, yeah. but like less less uh, distance. But, um, you know, you, you will see finish photos of people, of some of the winners of the 200 coming in right by – some of the hundred milers and it's very confusing. You're like, what's going on? Is he sprinting that person or like, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, 
Yeah, I, I just, I just like I'm at the same time I'm such a big fan of all like seeing all these pro names and seeing them at all these races, and then uh, with with my short experience of being part of the gravel community, I I want to be protective and make sure that it doesn't get ahead of itself a little bit, or we're it's not like '90s mountain biking where there was a lot of money thrown into it and then it just kind of imploded Went away, on yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, and I hope that it can continue to be, I mean, I see, I see races locally. There's Barry Roubaix in Michigan, which has 4,000 plus riders and doesn't have, you know, this media frenzy, but people go to it and they love it. And it, year after year it's a success and I will continue to go to it every single year. And that's what I hope that continues in the gravel community or the gravel, um, racing scene. Um, and then, you know, if, if a Pete Stetna shows up, which he has, if Alexi Vermeulen shows up, which he has, like, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but then also it doesn't need to be like the, the 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 biggest and the best and the newest thing i i don't know i i just i'm a little conflicted i guess <laughs> and maybe i should yeah. be but no i i get it but the job of a pro cyclist is to sell bikes or sell whatever product mm -hmm. they're to to people who pay retail and whether that and if they have the skill set of being at the front that's kind of job done for them but i get what you're saying like Anytime something, you know, in surfing, it's the same way. You have your soul surfers, you know, and then there's a competition and people scoff like, why do they have to <laughs> shut down the beach? I just want to surf. Um, it's the same way with, with gravel. I think as long as, as long as people don't lose sight of, of, uh, and my friend Dave from gravel Stoke, <laughs> the spirit of gravel, uh, <laughs> yeah. he it's this nebulous thing that's okay what is the spirit of gravel is it a pete stetna who comes in first or is it somebody who trained nine months to finish an unbound who's never done any other ride before and they don't even call it a race they're just doing yeah. it yeah yeah um you know or is it all of the above so or is it that's or is it bobby wintle uh right you know. Yeah, <laughs> the game makers. Yeah, uh, I can I tell you what's not the spirit of gravel, and and I sure. and I, I just talked about this in the last episode. It was it was uh, so Barry Roubaix was a couple weeks ago, and salsa came back out with the chase, like chase the mm -hmm. chase, you know, and everything. And so they had it on the they had it on the course, and I was in the group. I think I was sitting in a in a, I was in a group that was maybe. 9 to 15. So top 10 was in that in that group. We're coming up on the chase and uh and I needed a sit down. <laughs> I needed a little <laughs> break. <laughs> and and then I saw that there, you know, there were signs, get ready to take a picture, have a have a load off, all this stuff and I was like, "Thank God that this is happening." And guess what happened? No one stopped. Uh, and they just pushed on and i think all it all it all it had like 
probably just the first guy that was like, I'm not stopping. And then the second guy's like, well, I'm not stopping. The third, I'm not stopping. And then I'm in the back, like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> and, and at that moment I lost him. Cause I, I, I had a, they had a little gap on me. I thought we were stopping at the, at the chase and then just lost. <laughs> and, and, and I remember in my mind, I was like, the spirit of gravel died today. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of those hammerheads on the front. You, you know what you should have done? It's almost like the feed zone drama thing. Like everyone should exactly. agreed to stop. Don't attack the, the chase. You can't the attack chase. the chase. <laughs> yeah. It's neutral. Yeah. And I, I don't think they attacked it. I mean, I don't, I don't blame anyone. Uh, and I would have been dropped probably in the next, 10 minutes or something anyways, but it makes a better story. I think. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a term that my friend at Giro brought up about the difference between gravel and road. And he used the term casual alpha, <laughs> which kind of makes sense in gravel. You guys, you have guys that have mustaches and wear flannel, but they, they go hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, they make it look effortless, <laughs> but they're wow. still going hard. Casual alpha. I love. I like that. So what's what's next? Uh, you, you're not um, obviously you're not at whiskey uh, whiskey off. No, I'm not at whiskey. Uh, that's in Arizona. I uh -huh. uh, I may. I'm definitely going to Unbound. Yep. I already bought my plane ticket for that one. Uh, I, I've been thinking about going to Gravel Locos, but that may be difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Just because of what happened last year. Were you there? Last uh, year? Were you? I at? wasn't. No, okay. I, I, I wasn't. I, I remember like all the commotion, like mm -hmm. I was getting, my mm -hmm. phone was blowing up and, yeah. you know, that was, that was super hard. And I don't know if I could, no offense to Texas, but I don't have a burning desire to go to Texas. Sure. Uh, but I'm sure the barbecue is good, but <laughs> uh, I'll go to unbound. And then uh, this summer I'm going to SBT Foco Fondo. I'd like to visit uh, my friend Jess, who runs Last Best Ride oh, yeah. in Montana. I, I was there for the very first event. Such a talk about Spirit of Gravel. That's so much fun. It wasn't even like a start. It was like, okay, let's roll. And then we rolled. And I mean, Ted King still won, but it's yeah. it's a fun event. Montana's I've heard I've heard nothing but good things about that, and that's definitely on my list of like something I want to experience for sure. Yeah. I was just I was just talking to someone at BWR who was there last year, and gonna go back this year. But um, yeah, or not BWR at at Barry Bay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Montana is beautiful, and um, and these events are not in the same. Like you go to Unbound and you go to like Mammoth Tough or Last Best. It's a different vibe in mm -hmm. the sense that it's just less stuff to deal with. Like we you hang out at a park and have sandwiches like <laughs> i guess you could still do that at unbound but i there's so much more hype building up to it yeah um and then uh leadville you know the they're they're moved they're getting rid of the lead boat weekend yeah it's like moving a week, leadville a week apart yeah i, I saw that that's i that's, might just stay in colorado yeah you should <laughs> it's so beautiful i love it there do you need to acclimate just to make sure you're shooting and everything is going correctly? Uh, you need to acclimate to the to the altitude just to do your job. <laughs> Man, I need to not only acclimate to the altitude. I need to acclimate my 
equipment. I have so many things that I've shot where the sound was off or the record button's on. It's my feet walking, you know, because the camera's dangling down and all those little things I learned from. So I, I basically, one thing in the media, you actually make friends with the same people you see every event. And I start picking their brain. I look who's got who's got the nice camera. It's almost like a bike race where you see who's got the nice bike, who's dialed oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. who has all their equipment set up, who looks fit enough, you know. So I do the same thing, and I just pick their brain until they tell me to stop. And I'm like, okay, what's your shutter speed? You set your <laughs> ISO down. Do you use a variable ND filter? Uh, how do you make it less shaky? What's your image stabilization? Just all these things. I mean, I I still YouTube all that, but. Uh, I just make friends with them, talk to them. I was I was nervous last year at Leadville, especially because I got hired by Canyon Bikes to to run their social media wow. and wow. their TikTok and put stuff on their Instagram. And I'm double checking my spelling and just oh, super man. nervous. <laughs> and then we're like, I'm staying in the same house with Pete and and Big Tall Wayne and and JB, like living with them, like in the same house so mm -hmm. i'm trying know when to like okay they're about to get undressed i'll put the camera down like just all the all the little things that never actually make it to the video so um, you're you're a hun like 100 solo though just you you're not you don't have another uh like anyone else helping you get the footage it's just like you're by yourself doing this so yeah for 99 of the time it's just me and my camera okay. um i have had help like if i need an extra person i'll just pay them for that event and mm -hmm. then hope that the youtube money is enough to like oh, break man. even on that it's always pay first and get paid later yeah and uh like for bwr i uh had a kid volunteer um for a bwr arizona um i had a friend like shoot vertical video and then and then send it to me and then i would edit it and then post that on like TikTok and reels and stuff so and then i'll like do like a green screen where i'm like talking with my purple little mini mic mm -hmm. and then just doing like a one minute recap of the race so uh i i definitely do 99 percent by myself if and when one day i can bring on more people i'd love to sure but i have no desire to be like flow sports or these big production teams where it's like, and, and back to you, we're live and this and that yeah, and like yeah. analysis. It's just, that's not me. It's, it's, I want to know what you had for breakfast. Well, is that, don't... I think I, I'm not sure if that's what people are looking for always either. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking for like, like, uh, real time updates, you know, or just, I, I don't know if I want, you know, GCN sports all the time. Right. Um, sometimes if, if I'm looking on Instagram or, or whatever, like that's not, that's not the kind of content I'm looking for, for, uh, updates on unbound or, or Leadville or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, as soon as you bring in someone else, then logistics get more difficult and money gets more difficult. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to hear that you can, can accomplish what you're doing solo. Um, you mentioned d this is not your full-time job, right? Like no. you have, you have another, you have a, a job or <laughs> you have, I have a, a side hustle, a side, wait, this is, <laughs> this is your side hustle, right? I, yeah, no, this is my side hustle, yeah, but yeah. I always joke that my other job is a side hustle just because <laughs> I love doing this so much. And yeah. it's, 
you know, some people call it a workcation. Uh, I just think that, you know, when you mix your passion with something that can, that can go well for you, uh, it's kind of serendipitous. And, you know, if you're filling a need that people want to see and you're getting to tell the story that you want to tell, like if I was hired by say cycling tips, I don't think I'd be able to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I like being independent. And I also like being responsible for my own, for my own tone and my own vibe. Uh, and maybe that's hubris talking, but I just think that I have a lot to say and a lot to show. And I think I'm at the point where I have kind of decent access to things that not every quote unquote journalist gets to see. And that's been built over the years with a little bit of trust. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my day job is I teach psychology and economics and I use that. I use that when I'm doing my videos and stuff. Oh, certainly. (laughs) You teach in a high school level or a college level? Yeah. No, I teach uh, mostly seniors in high school. And that's why during the summer I can just go and travel. Yeah. And then during the winter I can travel and, you know, I just had spring break, which is, you know, I was at um, BWR and Sea Otter. So I, I basically use every holiday and then every vacation day that I can use for this. I mean, I may have to go down to part time because I did earn like, you know, money last year and not just YouTube money. Most of my money actually came. And, and this is so weird because this may happen on your podcast where someone will find you and go, oh, hey, we like your stuff. Can you come work for us? And so that's what happened with Canyon. They like called me up out of the blue and they said, hey, can you work with us at uh, Leadville and Steamboat? And I was like, yes <laughs> and yes. And the best question he asked was, what's, what's your bike size? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> e- even though I still don't have a bike yet, but I'm, I'm good without it for now. But, you know, other <laughs> brands will will like for Unbound, I'm, I'm shooting my Velworthy video, but I'm doing like three or four other jobs for other brands. And that's where it's going to basically pay for my plane ticket, my car rental, yep. uh, my housing, my food, and then hopefully a little bit of money on top of that where I can, you know, take my wife out to dinner. Yeah, for so sure. I can, the, the most important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so of all these races last year and races this year, what's, what are you looking, what, what's your favorite race to, uh, to, to be at or to, um, to cover? Well, that's a good question. I would say unbound gets me the most nervous, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there's a little bit more pressure to like, Ooh, I got, I want to make a good video. Certainly. You know, I remember the first day I, I hit send on it or publish and I was refreshing and it was like a thousand views every time I refreshed it. You wow. kind of get hooked on that. Yeah. And, but honestly, like the most fun I had was at uh, this race in Fort Collins, Foco Fondo. Uh, it's run by Whitney and Zach Allison. Such a fun event. They have, have it at the new Belgian brewery where it starts and finishes from. They hooked me up. They put me in this mansion that's owned by the owners of New Belgium. I stayed with me, Ben Delaney, uh, Jason, who runs Gravel Cyclist, uh, Neil Shirley of Envy, and mm-hmm. we're staying there. They gave me my own driver, my own truck, my own intern <laughs> to 
navigate. We had so much fun in the truck. Avery came along with Willie, the dog, Alexi's oh, yeah. dog. And we crashed the truck. Like we were at, we were ahead of the break. Alexi was in it. And the driver, she she passed him wide. And we got we went so wide we got into a ditch. And we kind of were gonna flip over and Avery was holding Willie, like, oh my God, Willie, hang on. <laughs> and we got stuck. Alexi saw the whole thing happen because we were in front of him. And he was like, should we stop and like help them mid race? They kept on rolling, soft pedaling. Meanwhile, we're stuck there. We, you know, it's a four wheel drive Toyota Tundra. We couldn't get out. We had a passerby just happened to have a wench and pull us out of the ditch. And then we caught up with them and rolled down the window and, held Willie up and Alexi was fine and Willie was fine. Um, but it's stuff like that. Like you don't see, and, and it's just such a fun event. I really love that kind of stuff. Was that earlier this season? That was in July. Okay. So no, that wasn't earlier. This after, season. after unbound. Yeah. Okay. Such <laughs> a good event. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Cool. And then, so the next one is unbound. It'll be unbound. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting in there on Wednesday. The race is on Saturday. I have a lot of work to do between Wednesday and Saturday. Last year, they it rained. Uh, yeah. And so my camera is not waterproof. So I had to take a plastic bag and wrap it up. Oh, my God. And use my GoPro and my phone <laughs> for, for parts. <laughs> Hopefully, people can't tell. But, you know, I was doing that. And then the other side that a lot of people don't know is the pro athletes want content of them and they'll make an arrangement with me ahead of time. Like, Oh, Hey, if you, if you happen to get footage, uh, just send it to me and I'll Venmo you. So I'm always looking out for that. The thing is, if they're not in the top, I can't, we can't go against the flow of traffic, mm -hmm, so to speak, mm -hmm. which kills me because I want to cover the women as well. Um, and so if I happen to have footage, I'll film them and then, send it to them and they'll Venmo me, you know, hundred bucks or something like that for a few seconds. But, you know, cause they need content too. Not every pro can afford to bring their own media person with them. Right. Unless you're Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> or Alexi. Or um, Alexi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so last question. Um, you're obviously a fan of cycling. You mentioned uh Canyon and, and you were stoked about them asking what size you, you ride. Amongst all of this stuff, day job, this, are you able to get out on your own? Are you able to continue riding at, at a regular um, schedule? Uh, is it has that suffered a little bit? Like I, I mean, I know what it's like to be busy, and I, I mean, I work in the cycling industry too, and it's like, man, it's it's a little bit of a, it's kind of bittersweet at times. Um, so how's that, how's that going in, in, in your life? <laughs> so first of all, when I'm out there, even though I'm in a car, a lot of times I get serious FOMO. I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I was there right now. Even I could ride next to him for 30 seconds. Uh, but the way I do it is I ride as much as I can. I don't race anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't do specific intervals anymore. Uh, I don't use training peaks anymore, but I ride and ride hard. I'm, I have my one bike that I use with three different wheel sets. I have my gravel wheel set, my aero wheel set, and my mid wheel set. It's on my crux, which is basically an Athos with wide tire clearance. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's still a one by. But the way I do it is I, I ride to the point of overload. 
then I use the events to rest. So I'm off the bike for like four or five days. Yeah. And by the time I'm done with the event, I get back on the bike again and ease into it. So I almost do this overload thing where I do it on purpose because I know I have a forced rest coming up. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. It's fun. That's, and you don't get, um, you don't get like, uh, speaking of overload, it's not like you're overloaded with just cycling in general where you just don't even want to touch the bike or you don't even want to, uh, is after sea otter, maybe <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by yeah. Sunday, I saw vendors tearing down at like 11 AM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did too. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> it also, yeah. the, the weather was kind of shitty at that point of the, the, the yeah. day, but, um, well, that's cool. I mean, it's, I, I really admire people that have kind of carved out a place in, um, in, in a space where, where, what they love to do. And, and I see you, you know, like in the last few years, Vela Worthy has been popping up more and more. And, um, I really admire like what you've done and, and what you continue to do. And I'm stoked that we, uh, were able to run into each other at Sea Otter and, and have this conversation. So Brian, thank you. Uh, appreciate your time and, uh, coming on the podcast. Thanks so much. It was, it was awesome to be on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> you, well, <laughs> you, you, you're our, you, I mean, you're equally talented on that side of the microphone as you are on the other side or on the other side of the camera, I guess, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> cool, Brian. Thanks so much. Awesome. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast. Email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by myself, Trevor Gibney. A huge thank you to Brian Coe from Velloworthy for joining us on this episode. And thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack. <laughs>